Today we come to the final installment of our series that we entitled Thrive. And through this course of this, we've been trying to develop something of a theology of change. And uh, as, as we all know, the changes that we've been forced to deal with over the last couple of months now have taken us places that we really never thought we would have to go. And that's the nature of change. And so as we've worked our way through this, we've tried to help with some principles to help understand what's going on and to help you thrive in the midst of a change that you really have no control over. And so I trust that that's been helpful for you and that you've been able to, to make sense of some things that might not have made sense before that. But we need to take a final step today. And, uh, and, and that is that we come to understand that once we make it through the change and that theology of change is at work for us as we process through the actual change itself, uh, we have to ask ourselves the question, what next? Uh, there is an old saying, and I don't know who it's uh, attributed to, so I can't give them credit here, but I'll just let you know it's not my saying, but there's a lot of truth in it, and that is that the only constant in life is change. And if that's a true statement, and I believe that it is, or at least it has a lot of truth in it, then that means that there's always change right around the corner. And that, that doesn't really set well with us, especially in times like this when we've gone through monumental change. Uh, the way I like to say it is uh, COVID-19 has given all of us a PhD level education in dealing with change. And as we settle into that, we start finding this new normal uh, stability in the system, to use some terminology we've used over the last several weeks. Uh, we don't really want to think about the fact that there's more change coming right around the corner. But there is. And we've been looking at Job and letting Job be the guy to take us uh, into this and teach us something about how to handle the changes that come in our life. And so today we're going to be in Job chapter 42, and especially we're going to be in the first six verses. And I'll read those in just a moment. Uh, but I feel like here on the front end, I need to say something about a danger uh, that we face as we come to the book of Job chapter 42. This is the final chapter. This is where the writer of Job ties everything up. I would love to say that he ties it up nicely and answers all of our questions, but th that's just not how it is. The last part of this, and we're not going to deal with this today except for right here, and so I hope that you'll listen carefully for just a, mo a moment or two. Uh, the last little section of, of chapter 42, uh, verses 7 through the end of the chapter, help us to see something about the uh, Job on the other side of change. And we find there that God restores him in many ways. There's a little section there where uh, he's restored to prominence as far as his righteousness is concerned. And there's an exchange that God has relative to those friends of his and Job intercedes for them. Uh, and then we get to the part that most of us in Western society and especially Western Christianity really like. And that is where God pays Job back double for everything he's lost. And, and that's a dangerous thing for us. Because if we're not careful, we might say that, well, if we'll just make it through the change, then God's going to give us everything back. That's just not true. Job did not get his children back. He got twice as many later, but he didn't get the ones who died back. He still had to go through the suffering. Uh, there's a great study that is uh, 
among scholars about what's going on there. And Job even gets double the lifespan of the time, according to Scripture. Uh, it's a great study, and maybe some other time we'll look at that. But here, here's, I want to take all of that, and I want to kind of say it this way as we close out this segment. We need to be really careful that we don't spend our energies chasing the blessing instead of the blesser. And we can come to the end of Job and we can say, well, look at there, it's worth it all because when the change is all over with on the other side of the change, uh, God's going to bless me in incredible ways and I'm going to get everything back in a material way. That's just not always the case. It was with Job, uh, but it, it helps us to understand that there, there's a place in there that we recognize the point of the book of Job is not that God doubles up on him with blessing. The point of the book of Job seems to be, as we've said before, God is on trial, and can I trust God in the change? Job 42, 1 through 6 is going to give us three principles here uh, in our next couple of segments. But let me read those verses as we get into that. And then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. As we come back, we'll look at three principles that help us to thrive after the change. Let's dive into this passage that we read recently here and uh, let, let's just let's kind of roll around in it a little bit, as one famous preacher used to say, get in the text and roll around in it some and see what sticks. Uh, there are three principles that we find in those first six verses of Job, that, uh, Job 42 that I think really help us out. In this segment, I'm just going to get one of them because I think this is the one that kind of drives the other ones. Um, and so here's the principle. Uh, God's sovereignty is incontrovertible. In other words, there's no question that God is sovereign. Now, I know that there are people who question whether God is sovereign or not, but in the final analysis, when all is said and done, the sovereignty of God is incontrovertible. It is absolute truth. And the principle that Job gives us at that point here comes out of verse 2. But before I get to that, let me just highlight a couple of things that we've seen. I'll do a little bit of review kind of baked into this segment. But we've looked at this, and as we saw Job in the early part of it, and then we saw Job in chapter 3, where we see that God is something uh, somewhat on trial for Job and for those others. Um, there, there are some of these big theological words that bubble to the surface, I'll give you those words, but I want to give you where we get them here. We've seen from Job that God is aware of what's going on. Even though in those middle section, or that middle section, from chapter 3, really chapter 4, all the way through to 37 or so, uh, God is silent through much of the book of Job. He's still there. And that, that entry level, first two chapters of Job help us see that God's very much aware of what's going on. This last four or five chapters help us see that God is very much aware of what's going on. And so God is aware. And then the theological term that we put on that is God is omniscient. There's nothing that God is not 
knowing about what's going on. You, that ought to help you, that you don't go through the changes of life in a crisis like this without God being very much aware of what you are going through. You're not alone through this, even though you may feel like you are from time to time. Here's the next big $4 theological word is God is omni, uh, excuse me, omnipotent. And that is another way of saying that God is in charge. And we talked about that, the danger of saying God is in control, even though that's a truth statement in many ways. Uh, probably the better, more accurate term is God is in charge of what's going on. Satan only could come at Job when God gave him permission to do that. Um, and then finally, we see that God is always working to accomplish his plan. Now, that last one is what really helps us, I think, put those other two in, in proper balance. He knows what's going on. He's powerful in what's going on. And he is systematically working out his purpose. That's what the book of Job shows us. That by the time we get to the end here, God is involved. He has been involved. And he wants Job to be aware of some of that. Uh, but as we've seen in Job, it's not an easy thing to get to that point. To get to the point of saying, okay, I get the fact that God is in charge. And I get the fact that God is looking out for me. This is his plan that's working out. That whole middle section, it really plays out this question about God being on trial and is he really trustworthy for us when things are not going well? That comes out of Job 3 and following. So as we come to the end, Job has had some questions and God has had some answers. And so from that, we come to verse 2 now and Job's final statement. And in this final statement, this principle comes to bear as Job essentially says, okay, I understand. That's Job 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job's final statement. Okay, I understand now. I've come through all of this crisis. I've come through this change in my life and it's not been easy. But I do understand that you are God. That's a great statement for us. And it's one of those that we easily lose sight of when things start kind of spinning out of control when it comes to change. Um, and so speaking of things spinning out of control, that tends to leave us in this season of disorientation in our lives. Things hit us. This COVID-19 coronavirus has done that at a level that is extremely intense for us. The whole world has changed normal. We, we don't do things. We don't even think the same way about gathering now like we used to before. And, and that in itself will trigger some other changes coming down the road for us as we start talking about how do we come back and do church together. So th that, that disorientation, the season of disorientation has a way of, of just throwing us off. I, this week I, I was thinking through that and why that is. Why is it that so many people resist change? Uh, why is it that something like this just throws us off and sends us into this tailspin of sorts? And I don't know that I have the full answer to that. I think it's worth kind of living that question out. But uh, part of my answer that I've come to is I, one of the reasons that we get disoriented when things change around us is because it messes up our plans. 
that, that's fairly easy to look at with this. Just let's look at what Corona uh, virus and COVID-19 has done to us. It's changed wedding plans. Uh, people that I've been involved with to do their weddings have had to change and put them off and even change total venues and everything. Uh, it's changed people's retirement plans. It's changed the way they live each day. So all those things come together for us. And, and so the, this threat that comes in changes our plans and we don't like that. In other words, it threatens our sense of control. That's why we don't like change. That's why change seems to work its way uh, deep into our hearts and into our emotions and fear becomes the order of the day for us. And so when we get to that point, we need to settle into God's love for us, God's involvement with us, with us and that incontrovertible truth that God is sovereign. And so even though my plans may be messed up, God's plans are not. And that should give us help and that should give us hope and should help us deal with some of the fear that comes when our plans have to change and things seem to be out of control. Another way to say that is we may be disoriented disoriented in this, but God is never disoriented. He is always on point, in charge, working his plan out. And knowing that gives us something to take with us to the other side of change. And when we come out of this, knowing that there's another change coming around the bend somewhere in our society and in our individual lives, we hold this truth that has gotten us through this crisis of change. God is sovereign, and I settle into that in a way that changes me, even though it may not change the circumstances. So we have one principle on the table, one, one of those principles that helps us, that we learn from this crisis, helps us prepare for the next crisis of change, and that is that we can just settle into God's sovereignty because it's incontrovertible truth. Uh, Understanding that one moves us then to be able to handle the next one. And this sounds a little abrupt and it sounds maybe a little aggressive. And I don't really want to sound aggressive, but I do want to get the truth out there. So the best way to say the principle is that we need to embrace our own limitations. Uh, in other words, I'm saying that it's easier for us to trust God when we realize that we can't be trusted. Uh, the abrupt way to say that is you can trust God even though you can't trust yourself. Now, I know that sounds offensive, so let me kind of double back and let's, let's kind of backfill that a little bit to see what we're talking about with that. Um, trust issues are rampant in our world today. Uh, I, I've been dealing with this issue, uh, either personally or with other people now for months at a time, uh, and that is this conspiracy theory or these conspiracy theories that are out there that love to look beyond self and into situations and fix blame somewhere. Uh, our media is really good at working hard to fix blame somewhere. Uh, in other words, we can't trust those people over there. And so that becomes a rallying point for other people. Um, let me just suggest to us that maybe um, that outward focus of distrust might be better served if we let it be an inward focus of distrust. Verses 3 and 4 
in Job 42 kind of underscore that. Job says there, and by the way, let me just say that he's pulling back from some of what God has said in the previous few chapters here. And he, he loosely quotes some things that God has said. As God has taken Job to the woodshed, so to speak, to discipline him and to challenge his thinking, um, Job pulls from those and he says this, verse 3, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Job says, Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And then he quotes God loosely again, Here and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Job digs down into what God has said to him. He extracts from that the primary meaning that he has taken from that and the implication of that meaning, meaning and that is, Job essentially says, you're right, I was wrong. We, we find that in that second part of verse 2. Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Job says, I should have cut my mouth shut. I was just wrong about that, wrong to question, wrong about that. And Job helps us to recognize that Sometimes when we're distrustful of other people, we give ourselves a pass. And when we're, so let's bring that to the theological point of reference, when we're distrustful of what God is allowing to happen around us, that is change, then we're giving ourselves a pass. But if we, if we lean into the sovereignty of God, as we've talked about many times now in this series, it forces us to acknowledge ourselves. And we do well when we learn from Job when he says, essentially, I, I was wrong. I, I thought that I was right, but now I see that I was wrong. So the principle that we take with us into times of future change is that we learn not to trust our emotions. We learn not to trust our level of thinking because we we paint the picture of what's going on around us through our eyes rather than through God's eyes. And, and that's hard for us to acknowledge that maybe we're the ones who don't know enough to understand the situation uh, means that it, we, we have to take a step back from the control part. I, I love what my dad used to say in conversations. People would, we'd be talking about various things, church staff or just as a family and occasionally dad would slip in one of these statements that says, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I think. It's only my opinion, but I'm really fond of it. You know what? That captures most of us. Uh, we may not say that, but we usually think that. It's only my opinion, but it's the one that rules the day in my life. So let's go with that. Job has done that. His friends have done that through the book of Job. In this time of change, we've done that with the world around us. God is the one who is trustworthy more so than we are. And so we lean into that and we trust him with all of that. And, and instead of insisting that we have our way in the change, we opt for his way. That's hard for us. Uh, this week on Tuesday, I was here at the church and I was doing some study. And, um, and I'm not sure how much you know what's going on around the church these days, but uh, there's a food bank and distribution center just a couple of blocks from us. And every day that I've been down here during this, there have been a long line of cars 
in line to go get food because people are suffering, et cetera. And, um, and so I was studying and I could hear what was going on outside on Montana. And uh, somewhere in, the, in that, every once in a while I hear a horn beep or whatever. And then all of a sudden I heard a long horn blast and uh, somebody leaned their head out the window, or at least that's what it sounded like what was happening. Maybe they got out of their car and they started yelling at the person in front of them. Uh, it was in Spanish, so I only knew a few words that I learned in high school, and those were not good ones. And then the person in the car that he was honking at started yelling back at him. And so I got up and I looked, and they were honking, or the one was honking because the other car had not moved up about five feet when that space opened up. And so they were going to have a knockdown, drag out fight over that. And that pictures for us that we love to fight over things that challenge our control. That's true in change. It's true in our relationships. It's true in all of those areas for us. So let me just give you this little truth, that if you want to be one of those people in life who insists on having it your way all the time, life is going to be a real chore for you because other people won't play that game. They're playing that game themselves. And the world doesn't play that game either. So this is that point where we embrace who we are. We embrace our own limits and we cannot be who God is. We cannot control the change that's around us. That helps us in this situation. We've gotten that PhD level education, as I said. And it helps us as we deal with those changes that come down the road somewhere. And very quickly, and let me just throw this third principle out for you. And this one comes in verses 5 and 6. And we've already looked at those verses in another message here. So I would just say to us that Job shows us that we need to develop a posture of listening. If we can't trust ourselves, and we know that, and we can trust God, and we know that, then the best thing that we can do in the change is not fight the change, it's to lean in and listen for the voice of God. Develop a posture of listening. My, I'll close with this. My son-in-law and daughter were here uh, for two weeks recently. And their children, age almost five now and two, uh, they're, they're just busy. Boy, they're busy. And a lot of times they're just loud. And we loved having them at the house and all that comes with that. But I noticed two different times while they were here that when it got to be bedtime and the kids might or might not have been wanting to go to bed, the parents would, one of them would kind of uh, sneak off into another part of the house. And you could hear the parent singing to that child. And I caught each parent doing that with a different child while they were here. And it's an amazing thing to me to hear and to see how those children would calm down when their parents started singing to them. What a great picture of the posture that we ought to take with God in times like this. Not that we try to be the one doing the singing. Our problem is that we want to fill the space with words. We want to fill the space of our lives with activity. But sometimes what we need is to just be quiet and let God sing over us and let God whisper words of assurance and hope and love 
that brings us incredible peace in the middle of incredible difficult time. Lean in. Lean into the sovereignty of God. Accept your own limits. And then finally, I think Job teaches us, posture yourself to listen for God. I hope that through the course of this series, it's been helpful for you so that you might thrive in times that are really unprecedented, at least in our lifetime. God is not finished. He's still at work. And his plan for you is that you might thrive through all of this. God bless you. We'll see you soon.